Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow John Fisher with The Catch uh, Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We do this every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. You can also uh, hear us at any time on demand by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the catch. And you can sign up for our email uh, that I write fresh every morning and send it out. Uh, via email, uh, you can sign up for that at catchjohnfisher.com. That's it, catchjohnfisher.com. You can find out a bunch of other things we're doing. We're just into getting more and more mm-hmm. stuff. We've got a new app that we're so excited about, and uh, lots of lots of new ideas we're we're going to be coming up with in the next few weeks and months ahead. But on, on Block Talk Radio, uh, it's my joy to be able to, uh, almost always we have a guest. And uh, I have to tell you that um, I've said this more than once, I'm sure, that uh, one of the things I love about this show is that I get to bring on some of my favorite people uh, and people who maybe uh, no one would ever know otherwise uh you know, the people that, if I could get all my favorite people in one room, you know, uh, some of my guests here would, would fall into that category. Uh, just they're great human beings. They've done some wonderful things. They've reached out and been ch- uh, challenging in many ways and uh, uh, helped me along in my career. So uh, that's, that's uh, the story about our guest right now, tonight. I'm so happy to have with us uh, Steve West, lawyer, uh, writer, poet, and uh, one-time record entrepreneur, record company entrepreneur. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, that and a number of things, um, how I met Steve and, and uh, the role he played, at least in some of, uh, some of my music. But uh, right now, uh, Steve, welcome to Block Talk Radio. Well, thanks so much, John. You know, it's a pleasure to talk with uh, an old friend and catch up, uh-huh. and at the same time, a bunch of people get to listen to us have our conversation. Yeah. So I hope that it's uh, hope that it's interesting as interesting to them as it will be to us just to catch up with one another. And uh, you know, Absolutely. it's just a pleasure to be on this too because I've read uh, so many of your books, John, and I've read um, the catch over the years, and then listened when it became a podcast. So I mean, what a what a privilege okay. to be here. Very good. I'm so glad. Yeah, we've, uh, we're we having fun. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I have to say that uh, I want to start right out, Steve, and and uh, just because this is how, you know, we got started. Um, I, I'd love to talk for just a little bit about 
what can only be called a labor of love, uh, which is your uh, stance with Silent Planet Records. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm sure you can talk about how how long that lasted, but uh, you uh, you had a you had a wonderful thing going with something that's that's hard to do. I, I you know, you had a you had a sense of love for eclectic kind of music, a special kind of music that maybe wouldn't uh, normally get on to major record labels. You created an indie label, and uh, you also surrounded yourself with people who were, who were, most of them, uh, I believe, were Christians. If not, they were very close, but uh, they were very meaningful in, in the music they were writing, and their faith um, uh, uh, affected their work and what they did. And... Uh, and and yet uh, some of the best talent, best unknown talents you you could ever find. Um, gosh, what I just want to know: how did that start? What got you going? And 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 what I really want to know: what was your vision for for Silent Silent Planet Records? Well, you know that's such a good question. A lot of things that we get into in life, we don't always plan. You know what happens, um, and but we do find ourselves with opportunities and, and thoughts when certain things happen. So for Silent Planet Records, you know, I was just uh, I was being a lawyer and uh, booking some concerts for my church, and uh, I looked um, looked at some music. Uh, there was a label called Storyville Records, which was, a, which was also, I think, a labor of love. Um, mm-hmm. That was uh, David Bunker had a, a large yeah. part in that and had a real vision for that. And that music was so different. Uh, than other things you found in contemporary Christian music, because it really wasn't contemporary Christian music. It was it was singer songwriters who were more folk oriented, and yet they were on this label. So I had in one of their artists, Jan Christ, and to play at our mm-hmm. um, at our church. And uh, at the end of the concert, I said, "Well, you know, Jan, if there's anything that I can do for you anytime, just let me know." And I left it at that. And I hear I get a call back later, and uh, you know, there's just an opportunity. Storyville was 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 going to to, uh, to to close their doors, and there was an opportunity to to help her. And so initially, it was just an opportunity to help her by, you know, helping fund a little bit of um, uh, to finish a record, uh, which was called Curious. And that record mm-hmm. became the first Silent Planet Records release. And as far as I knew, that was going to be the only Silent Planet Records release because I really was just helping her. But then from there, it kind of developed a vision, you know, for something uh, a little different. And I always. You know, our catchword, our catchwords or phrases for Silent Planet Records was music that was acoustically grounded, lyrically intelligent, and spiritually provocative. Uh, yeah. So a lot of you know contemporary Christian music, as you know, um, is a is a genre that is not so much a um, a type of music as it is uh, very um, lyric oriented. So you had to have certain certain buzzwords or lyric. You, know, you had to tell mm-hmm. off right off the bat. You have to tell that it's a Christian song, and these songs mm-hmm. weren't so much like that. You know they. Um, they were certainly songs by Christians. A Christian, Jan Christ is a Christian, but you uh, it connected with you on a very horizontal level, and then more subtly, uh, you know, pointed to the vertical, pointed to God. You know, uh, so I like yeah. to say, you know, the music always had these signposts in it that pointed outside of itself uh, toward toward God, uh, but yet it connected very deeply with people, and that's really historically folk music is connected very much horizontally. It just hasn't always pointed outside of itself. Uh, to God, and so that's sort of the vision that I had for it was to sort of straddle that line between uh, these Christian artists who wanted to be, who wanted to pl- 
play their music, basically, and folk music, and try to put that music into the contemporary Christian music market, like Storyville had, and yet try to also put that music in the mainstream. And that was a very difficult thing to do, and really not, uh, not ultimately could not do that. You know, ultimately the market, uh, the market doesn't accept that. You know, uh, wow. So and nowadays it's completely different. Nowadays you have um, that is a very tight, tight genre. Uh, Christ, contemporary Christian music, but you have many, many Christian artists who just are simply out there independent or in the mainstream, and so there's a lot more variety uh, in the market mm-hmm. in terms of what you're able to hear. So in some ways, you know, the project has been successful, but just not uh, just not in trying to market to both markets. Right. Um, how long How long were you in business with Silent Planet Records? That was um, Silent Planet Records actually started in 1995, uh, was incorporated, and then it went through uh, the last release, I believe, was in 2004. So about nine years. Um, You know, it kind of went on a little bit there at the end, beyond what I thought was sort of our capstone project, which was a uh, a tribute to Brian Wilson, uh, Beach Boy Brian Ah. Wilson, uh, which is not exactly something you would hear about necessarily in contemporary Christian music. I mean, Brian Wilson. We don't know what his faith is, but maybe he's not a Christian. Don't know, but he had some great music, and so we had a number of artists, both Christian and non-Christian, who who participated in that tribute. And I really see that as sort of the the culmination of, you know, um, mm. what I wanted to do as a record label, and uh, and that really was uh, very close to the end of of the things for us, and also one of our most successful projects. Was it? Can you still get that album? And, and what's the you title? You can still. Yes, you can still buy that album. It's called "Making God Smile." Um, mm-hmm. the The cover is a uh, the cover is uh, harkens back to uh, what used to be a long lost album of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys called "Smile," and uh, yeah. and it but it was finally re recorded and then it was uh, the whole original project was released by Capitol Records uh, a couple of years ago, and so that cover looks sort of like the original cover of of the Smile record. Um, so it's it's a really it's a really neat project. It's still out there. You can still find it, uh, in fact, very inexpensively on Amazon or or, or wherever you know yeah. uh, you want to look. But it's out there. Can you download it? Can you? Can, is it on iTunes? It's not on iTunes. No, it's not. So there's just a hard copy oh. of the disc that are out there. And okay, you can also so get there. Am- you, I was going to say you can also get there through uh, my blog site, outwalking.net. There's a section on there Great. for Silent Planet Records. So a number of the old Silent Planet Records uh, albums are, are there for sale. Uh, and that yeah. that uh, Making God Smile was originally a two-disc set, which is sold out, but there is a download available of the second disc, which is not available with the, the one-disc volume that's available. So anyway, some of that stuff is there on that outwalking.net. Cool. Cool. Well, now, you know, when when I was with you, it was uh, names like Steve Black, Matt Otten, uh, Scatman Meredith, Jan, of course, Brooks Williams, Peter Mayer. Um, what's happened to, to most of these people? Uh, as far as you know, are they still are they still uh, pursuing their music, just doing it independently on the internet? Probably that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, some of these artists I think have gone on to other things. Uh, Jan is Jan mm-hmm. Christ is still doing still doing music. In fact, this year yeah. um, this year is the twentieth 
uh, anniversary of that first album, uh, Curious. It wasn't wow. the first album, but it was the first album for Silent Planet. Mm-hmm. So this is the 20-year anniversary of that this fall, of its release. Uh, some of the other artists I haven't kept up as well. And uh, a very tragic thing was that uh, you know Matt Alton, uh, Matt Alton, one yeah. of our artists, was um, was uh, died in a drowning incident um, uh, last year. Oh. And so very sad. Uh, but oh, a man dear. of great faith. And his family, the you know, he had a wife and two young boys, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they they have a great community around them. But uh, and some of the other artists, Brooks Williams is still out doing his music and playing, and and uh, mm-hmm. just an excellent guitarist and a good songwriter as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, very sweet so I, guy. In, in a way, do you, do you think it's a do you think with the with the internet now and so many people just you know forget about record companies doing their own music and getting it out there. Do you, do you think that's healthy? Do you think it's a better a, a better picture than what it was say 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Yeah, I think it I think largely it is healthier, you know, the the you know, mm-hmm. with every with every kind of technological breakthrough there's always a cost and something that um there's always a negative to it. And the negative, of course, is that there's there's so much um, just noise in the sense that I don't mean noise in the sense of music, but there's just so much out there. Yeah. And there's there's no um, there's no um, uh, um, there's no one to sort of um, like an A and R representative of a label to kind of yeah. kind of guide you know what's good and what's not good. And so there's so much out there, it gets very confusing. And so. Um, other things become important in terms of um, not gatekeepers but portals for music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mm-hmm. might go to a trusted site, you know, where it's sort of um, they're the ones oh, who decide yeah. sort of what's the best uh, best music to put out there, and, and so you go there because it's trusted, and you look for what music they like. Uh, and so, th- yeah, so that's that's a way to find some good music, and um, you know, but there is a whole lot more out there, and but you know, frankly, a lot of the labels. We're not uh, in terms of A and R. Uh, you might get signed. Uh, you would you wouldn't make any money unless your album was a huge hit right off the bat. They drop you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the early days, some of these labels would stick with you and sort of nurture you and nurture the fan base and build yeah. an artist, which took time. And that that pretty much for most labels had gone away, and so they weren't doing um, many of these artists much yeah. good. Uh, and I, my, in my yeah. opinion, and so I think the independent route is is better for them, uh, as long as they, you know, and and I always tell artists, as long as you have a realistic expectation of what's going to happen, you're probably not going to be a sensation, you know. But mm-hmm. you have you'll have your audience, you know, and and um, mm-hmm. just play, just play for that yeah. audience and build on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I certainly appreciated. Your commitment to the, the the artists that you had, and I, I'll always remember that weekend we spent in Albuquerque. Um, I, I think in my lifetime there have been two weekends that I've spent with a, a group of creative people, thinking mind people, with no agenda, but just mm-hmm. to be together and sit around and talk. And I and that was that's one of them. And uh, another one, I had an opportunity of being with the Inklings uh, uh, mm-hmm. group up in Washington. And uh, but that was it. You know, if you think about, gosh, our lives are 
are, are so busy and we do all this stuff, and yet here's two times in my life I did nothing but just spend a whole weekend with with people who were who were creatively thinking about the same things and just talking and being together and encouraging one another. Yeah, that was a wonderful time. And I think, you know, that's another thing I wanted for that label. I wanted the artists to have some sense of uh, communion and fellowship with one another uh, around the music yeah. and around encouraging one another. And so that some of that went on that that particular weekend. It was That was very nice, very nice. Yeah. And it was also privilege, it was a privilege to work with you, John, because, you know, your, your, um, your record, Wide Angle, that came out, uh, oh, yeah. I don't know when that was exactly, John, but it had fallen out of print. Uh, mm-hmm. And the label had folded that it was on, uh, and yet you didn't have access to it really. And just it was great for Silent Planet to be able to re-release that as some folks' world, and you know, add some mm-hmm. some new material to it that you recorded. Um, yeah. And and that was just um, that was a wonderful privilege too, because you're somebody I've always looked to, you know, as somebody who was there at the beginning, who continued making music, writing books, and all that. So you tremendous influence on the. On the uh, on the music world and and uh, on Christian thinking, so I I really that was a privilege. That was a privilege too. Well, thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, yeah. You know I I and and now you're doing a lot of writing. Uh, you have a blog, uh, outwalking.com. I love that title. Um, yeah, it's outwalking.net. Yeah. Dot so net. don't throw anybody. Outwalking.net. Outwalking.net. And uh, I love your blog blog that's on there right now about your driving around in your daughter's uh, Mini Cooper. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's so good. And, uh, you know, it's just the, the, the freedom to express yourself. Um, you've created a place to do that. I think you're doing uh, some on Facebook as well. Um, where, where's, the, where's the writing come from? Uh, how, how, you know, you're a lawyer and... Uh, the only lawyer and writer I know is John Grisham. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, to sell a few books like John Grisham. Yeah. That would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he uh, he was kind of a gentleman lawyer, you know, when he started writing books. So he had a kind of a leisurely mm-hmm. schedule in Oxford, Mississippi, when he first wrote his first book. But, no, the writing for me, um, you know, I think, first of all, it came from from a lot from reading, you know, from a lot of reading, which I was nurtured in at a young age, by watching my mother read a lot and by having her own library at my disposal. So I read there, and but then I don't remember writing much until much later on. In fact, uh, you know, when I was um, on into my on into my 30s and started writing uh, writing poetry, I didn't know anything about poetry, and I just started writing poetry and then publishing some poetry and. And then in 2006, it was, I started this um, blog. And the first year that I started it, I said, you know, blogs were kind of new then. And I I said, well, you know, I'm going to write every day because I always heard that was a good thing to do. So I thought, well, I'll write every day in this blog. So I did for 365 days. And, you know, some days are better than others uh, in terms of some days you don't know what you're going to write. But you sit down to write anyway. And, uh, you know, with a blog, you're sort of living that out in in public uh, as well. Uh, so that that's sort of where it began, and as I look back at those, you know, there's just this growth over the years. I didn't stay it every day after that, but it's been pretty consistent ever since then. And then, you know, I've recently gone back to doing that because um, 
you know, being a lawyer is a full-time job and it takes a lot of time, but, you know, I'm trying to devote an hour a day uh, to writing. So that just comes Great. out of, I think, you know, writing for me is like a, a, a long conversation with myself and with God over many, many mm. years. And uh, and what I what I think I'm doing there is trying to, as Frederick Bigner once said, listen to my life, which he was so mm. good at, uh, and, and also... Um, continually preach the gospel to myself. And that's a phrase that comes from uh, uh, mm. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great pastor, uh, where, you know, uh, we often uh, tell ourselves all kinds of things about ourselves, that we're terrible people or nothing good is going to happen to us or, you know, whatever. Wow. You know, but uh, when you preach the gospel to yourself, you're telling yourself the truth that God says about who you are, that, you know, that God loves me and that God has his plan for my life it may not be it's not always a plan of geography you know where you're going to go uh but a plan about who you're going to become and uh so this this whole you know a lot of times i'll write things and then i'll I'll read them and later and i'll think well you know i need to go live that now you know i lived it a little bit but you know it's Mm. also aspirational i need to actually go now do what i said I was doing in that block, you mm. know. And so I'm preaching to myself and, and uh, letting other people uh, listen in to what I'm saying. So some people say, oh, well, write a great. book. And I say, well, okay, a book's a big deal, you know. Uh, but maybe I can do that someday. Uh, but I've enjoyed this conversation with myself and God over these years. That's great. I love the way you uh, express that. That's fantastic. Um <laughs> preach and uh, the first time I've heard preach the gospel to yourself, I really like that. Hey, it's yeah. a wonderful phrase that from Martin that D. Martin. Martin Lloyd yeah. Jones, yes, Martin. and uh, and his daughter, uh, not his daughter, but um, I don't know how she's related, but Sally Lloyd Jones is the one who wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible. It was so popular, uh, oh. sold over a million copies, and uh, a lot of his, a lot of what you hear from D. Martin Lloyd Jones is is in. Those books for children, those Bible story books for children, and I, I love to read those because they're simple, but they're they're mm-hmm. not simplistic at all. You know, it just has yeah. a fresh way of putting the gospel. Uh, well, so many adults yeah, have benefited from these children's books. So you gave, you gave me a perfect transition, Steve, for our, our last topic, which is uh, one one of the main reasons I I thought of you because I wanted somebody who could talk a little bit about fairy tale, especially about fairy tale, because this week yeah. um, we're we're kind of, well, personally, Marty, my wife, and I are, are celebrating the up-and-coming birth of our first gr- grandchild, um, who we know is going to be a girl, and is Great. due in about a month. Yeah, yeah and, super. And Mar- Marty's already been to the shower, and Marty, for the shower, wrote a fairy tale. Um, it's called uh, The Pigeon uh, with the Ruby Collar, and it's about Princess Jocelyn Ann, which is, they've already selected her name. It's Jocelyn mm-hmm. Ann. So this is about Princess Jocelyn Ann, and it's a fairy tale. And I've decided that I'm, I put the fairy tale up, uh, at least uh, you can access it uh, through... Are, uh, through my uh, daily emails, the catch, uh, I, I attached it as a PDF so that people can read this fairy tale. But then every day I'm I'm going to write 
something in relationship to that because I'm going to pull something out of the fairy tale that we can reflect on uh, that that is uh, truthful. And you and I, you mentioned Beekner earlier. You you and I have both loved uh, Beekner and been influenced a great deal by him. Uh, and I I still think probably the the, the best book I've ever read. Uh, if I was going to get one one book other than the Bible, you know, to take with me on a desert island, it would be <laughs> telling telling. Uh, Telling the truth, uh, gospel as tragedy, comedy, and fairy tale. And I wanted to spend the last uh, few moments of our time here talking a little bit about what, what, um, jumping off from some of the things you might remember from that chapter. What, what is the value of fairy tale in our in our ability to to understand truth? And why why would Beekner say there's something actually that you can connect with the gospel? To, to fairy tales. What what do you think he's talking about there? Yeah, well, you know, he he said, you know, um, the gospel is really a fairy tale. The only thing is that it's a fairy tale that's true. And so it's almost, uh, it's almost, as he said, almost too good to be true. You know, the fact that we're, 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 uh, we're so broken, so messed up, and yet um, God forgives us. He, he's going to rescue us. And he's going to make us, you know, remake us, make us new, and uh, and that's just that's an incredible story that sounds outlandish uh, to most people. Still, even even when you think about it, it sounds outlandish to us who believe, you know, because yeah. it's hard to think. So if you think about that as a as a fairy fairy tales are of course outlandish tales as well, and yet right. um, they're they're able to speak the truth to us because they they take something that's um, familiar to us. Um, and make it, they defamiliarize it, they make it um, unfamiliar in some way or is presented in an unfamiliar way, and that makes it more powerful. You know, Picasso, Picasso said once that, you know, um, he talked about the um, the lie that tells the truth, and he meant, you know, just the, the fact that art mm. so often is a, um, the most powerful art is the most, sometimes the most indirect art, and because it, it kind of sneaks up on you. And just like the parables, of Jesus sneak up on you. They come at you sideways, uh, the truth of those. And so that's kind of how a fairy tale works. And you know, that's what Lewis did with um, the Chronicles of Narnia. He basically, you know, he kind of retold the gospel uh, in a way that was fresh. Uh, you know, with with Aslan being, you know, Christ coming back and the White Witch representing Satan and, uh, you know, winter, the eternal winter being the curse of sin over the earth and you know, uh, it just—it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful, um, if not allegory, uh, close to allegory anyway. You know, uh, both both Lewis yeah. and, and Tolkien both had, um, you know, wrote um, wrote about fairy tales and the power of fairy tales uh, to, to teach yeah. us truth and and so I think it's a very powerful thing. Just like a lot of a lot of fiction can be very powerful in that way too. You know. Uh, one one thing Marty included in this story was um, a, a request by by Jocelyn Ann uh, that she wanted a story told to her where um, where the the dragon it has to it has to be a story that has a dragon and the dragon has to be slain um, by by the prince who rescues the princess. 
from the tower, and there is and everything has culminated in a grand wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which sounds kind of familiar, you know, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the wonderful thing about it, and yet you hear it in a fresh way. And there's so many things about the Bible. If you've been a Christian long and been around and um, heard all the religious phrases that, um, you know, they become, they're, it's not that they're untrue. They're certainly true, but they become, uh, I mean, it's like it, it becomes almost one huge cliche, you know, so familiar to us. So we have to hear it. We have to hear it fresh yeah. again. I had a pastor uh, once who, who said that every sermon he ever preached was about grace. And he just has to come at it a different way every time. You know, to, to so that the power of that, you know, continues. So we can, can we continue to hear it because after yeah. it's become so familiar, we can't hear it very well any longer. So that's what I love about fairy tales, and I've always read fairy tales. Whether it's, you know, the big ones like Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia, or the are the little fairy tales, or even yeah. fiction, which is its own in its own way is a fairy tale. You know, because it's not true, but yet yeah. it's very powerfully true. And what yeah. it conveys. So, um, do you yeah. have a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite uh, almost ch- ch- children's fairy tale? Um, if you had to pick one. Yeah, that's difficult. But you know, I, I keep I always go back to the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, for mm-hmm. for these stories, they they meant a great, great deal to my children. Um, I, I read and I read these. Um, I'm a big proponent of reading aloud. Stories as well, and so I read these. I read these stories, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, and I read the Lord of the Rings in its entirety aloud um, to my son when he was very young. And uh, uh, there's just something about reading aloud that's that's really really important. Uh, so I, yeah, that's those those two are probably still my favorite. Now there's much smaller fairy tales, of course, that you know we've read over the years. None of them exactly come to mind right now, but I always think of the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe someone someday will think of the uh, the pigeon with the red ruby <laughs> collar. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> as their favorite, as their favorite fairy tale. Because we had a lot of fun uh, actually with this story, and uh, and and the interesting thing is, we really we really didn't try and put anything into the story purposely that right. was going to, you know, teach some grand truth. Uh, and yet now as I go back to the story, I find stuff. I find stuff that's truthful. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's just because, yeah, it's just because we we made up a story. Uh, and it, like most stories, it, it, it has, it has a, a, a tragedy that happens and, Somehow, you know, they get through that, and uh, everybody lives happily ever after. <laughs> right, Which, you know, and that's that's kind of what Bigner talked about. You know, the tragedy, yeah. the, you know, some terrible thing happens, and it's really usually product of sin. And then the comedy, you know, is not the kind of ha-ha kind of comedy, but it's the, the comedy of grace. You know, something something happens that you just don't expect that's good. And then the fairy tale, yeah. of course, is the amazing thing that... It happens, uh, and everybody lives happily ever after. So, you know, that's what's wonderful. Fantastic. It is. Fantastic. It is. Well, 
Well, well, Steve, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking your evening, a little bit of your evening. And uh, this has been rich, and it reminded me why I like you so much. Um, oh, well, thanks so thank much, so Jonathan. Much. It's, been, it's been wonderful to have a conversation with you, and, and uh, just hope everybody else enjoyed the conversation as well as we did. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure they will. And remember, everybody, that uh, you can – you can catch up with Steve's writing, especially at outwalking.net. And then uh, what's the Facebook handle? Is it uh, S? Yeah, a good place to find me is on Facebook, and the handle is uh, harkens back to Silent Planet Records, and, and the handle is SLNT Planet. So SLNT Planet, yeah, and that's my name on Facebook. Yes, so great. I'm glad to friend great. you there if you come there. Cool. Great. Well, and uh, and do I encourage you? I encourage you to to uh, to go visit um, his writing because uh, you'll you'll enjoy it, and uh, it, it's 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 fun, and and then it'll also take you into some deep moments. So um, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you, thank you again, Steve. And uh, thanks so much, John. Maybe, uh, yep, we'll have you on uh, some other time as well. We'll talk something else about writing and all the love to love grand to. stuff that makes our life worth meaningful. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye, okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, how was that? That was, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> okay. Was... Well, folks, we are uh, about to end this episode of Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.